<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi. It's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. We get to consult people around the world via webcam. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and the newest book is called Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center that we have, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open and lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books no matter when you listen to this episode. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show and you can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself or you could take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And then every single month, my team and I will be going through the messages on Instagram, as well as the Apple podcast reviews themselves, randomly picking winners every single month. And then I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign and we'll send it out to you. Good luck. About every single month, we have entire episodes. So it's basically at this point, three different formats of The Art of Being Well, if you haven't caught on yet. We have our what I would say more regular episodes where I talk to one of my friends or colleagues in medicine and healthcare and nutrition, wellness, some interesting space that you're gonna learn a lot about. And then we have the Ask Me Anything episodes where we answer your burning health questions. So send them in to us at drwillcole.com. And we also have these episodes. This is the latest, Mental Health is Physical Health. People love these episodes. We get granular, we get detail, I want you to get functional medicine perspectives, a clinical approach, health tips and tricks for you to do on your own as well with science-backed ways to optimize specific health issues that we see clinically. So we've covered things like thyroid issues and hormonal problems, different gut health issues like SIBO or leaky gut syndrome, 
food and food sensitivity, histamine intolerance. I mean, the list goes on and on. So go back and listen to past mental health as physical health episodes if you are interested in this these topics. This is the latest one. And we're gonna talk all about MS. We're gonna learn about MS, our clinical approach to MS, science-backed tools to optimize and decrease the severity and frequency of MS flare-ups. We'll get into it. To help me every time on these episodes, we have, and the reason why we call these episodes mental health is physical health is that's such a central part of what we do clinically is the fact of mental health is not separate from physical health. Mental health is physical health. So I want you to see the physiological and the psychological. That's why the newest book is called Gut Feelings, to look at the physical, the gut and the feelings, the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual. On the physical side of the clinical approach here to help me along, we have Andrea, who's our lead functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. What's up? Hi. You didn't you didn't give me my normal boxing name. I feel kind of sad. <laughs> Sugar-free Leonard? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Cuz we are at a table where it looks like meet the press. Remember Tim <laughs> Russert, man? I was my favorite Sunday morning. I was such a nerd. Meet the press is still going on. I don't know who's the host of Meet the Press. Listen, now. if anyone should know it should be you. I know. I I see you're, him in my brain. You're acting like I even know what you're talking I'm about. I see him in you my brain. Know. It's one of the longest running TV shows in American history. <laughs> Anyways, on the feeling side of gut feelings, the mental emotional health, we have our chief, I've never said chief, but you are the chief emotional wellness coach, Candice, what's up? I love that. Can we say that every time? Hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I feel like when we say that there should be like a crowd in the background, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, like, like, like raise wrote hands. it down, chief. Chief, write it down for next time. So <laughs> this, these are the two prongs, if you will, of successful care for people. Yes. You yeah, have to absolutely. deal with both the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual side of things. It's both sides of the same coin. This is applicable to any health issue. Let I mean, least of all, I mean, it's so important when you're talking about autoimmunity. Let's get it right into it. We're talking about a specific type of autoimmune issue that we see clinically, MS. Andrea, you have some questions for me. I do. And I think you keep saying MS. I think we should also let the general public, we're mm -hmm. talking about multiple sclerosis. And obviously in literature, you're going to see MS a lot. I want you to, this can be a twofold question. We can start with what is MS? And then I also think that people should know if there is more than one type of MS as well. So MS, as you said, it stands for multiple sclerosis. It is a type of autoimmune condition. At this point, researchers kind of classify about around 100 different clinically like official autoimmune diseases. And then there's about 40 above that 100 that have at least have an autoimmune component to them. MS is seen as an overtly autoimmune condition. And we've talked about different autoimmune conditions in past episodes, but things like Hashimoto's disease is when the immune system attacks the thyroid or when you're talking about ulcerative colitis, the immune system's attacking the colon. With MS, multiple sclerosis, the immune system's attacking the myelin sheath. The myelin is this combination of fatty acids, protective fat and protein casing, coating of our nervous system, of our nerves. And this is what the immune system is hypervigilant and attacking in the case of MS. So it can have symptoms like different neurological symptoms, right? It could be tremors, loss of coordination or, or balance, dizziness, vertigo, 
Blurred vision, double vision is another common symptom of MS. Memory issues like brain fog, fatigue is another one. Depression is highly correlated with people with MS. Speech impairment, trouble swallowing. So these are common things because this is what the nervous system's regulating. So you can see these common dysfunctions with the nervous system in the case of MS. Not to say that all those things that I just mentioned, these are just check engine lights. It doesn't mean you have MS if you have any of those symptoms, but it does mean that a lot of people with MS do have those symptoms. So we want to look at what the what's the root cause of these symptoms. These are just check engine lights. I don't want to fear monger anybody, but these are just pointers that our body's telling us something. So from a differential diagnosis standpoint, it could be MS. We have to look at health history. We have to look at family history. We have to look at labs and imaging studies to rule this in officially. So you mentioned two different types. The typical, there's two different classifications. I wouldn't call them types per se, but they are progressions of MS or the way that it's presenting from a symptom standpoint. There's relapsing, remitting MS, which is the most, like what you will typically see earlier on. And then later on, it can progress to secondary progressive MS where you're not getting the flare-ups, the relapse and the remitting of symptoms. It's more progressive and it's more, uh, the symptoms are there chronically. There is a smaller percentage of people that have MS where it's called primary progressive MS, where it's the first round of symptoms, the first sign of, of symptoms, it is showing up like secondary progressive. You're not getting the ebbs and flows of the flare-ups. So that is a small, about 15% of cases have primary progressive MS. So those are the signs and symptoms and things to look out for and pointers that the body's telling us. And I think you said something really important. You had, when you were going through the symptoms, you had mentioned that just because you have those symptoms does not mean you have MS. And I know we have had plenty of patients that have Googled and have Googled their symptoms and very much concern themselves and, and without any proper testing. So what would your recommendation be for a proper diagnosis of MS or what type of labs, if any, would you recommend for a particular situation like this? Mm -hmm. So this is the truth for most autoimmune conditions and MS is no exception to this, is that by the time somebody's diagnosed with MS, for most people, in most cases, researchers estimate it's about four to 10 years prior to that diagnosis when things were brewing on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum. So for most people, there's exceptions to that certainly, but for most people, you will, they didn't, things didn't happen overnight. Things can definitely accelerate it. When you're talking about environmental toxin exposure, viral infections can really be the, the straw that broke the camel's back, the tipping point. But there's three main stages on the autoimmune continuum, the silent autoimmunity, Meaning if you ran labs, the person, you may find markers, but the person's completely asymptomatic. Then there's autoimmune or inflammation reactivity, meaning the person's having symptoms and there's markers being off, but they're not checking all the boxes to be officially labeled in that stage three, where they are checking the boxes conventionally and you're, you're going to get most specialists that would rule that in as being labeled. And even then... We see many people that they are told from one conventional doctor to the next, they're getting differing opinions. So there is even amongst the conventional criteria, a uh, differing opinions on if you're going to check all the boxes or not, and when someone may label you or not. 
In functional medicine, we're less concerned about the official diagnosis, the ICD-10 like diagnosis code, and more concerned with the mechanisms of action and more concerned with why you have the problem in the first place, whether you're able to be labeled or not. It's kind of, I don't want to say irrelevant. It's not irrelevant, but it's it's secondary to why do I have the problem in the first place? So official diagnosis involves imaging studies, blood tests, really look at lesions on the brain and in the nervous system that could be and then are those lesions changing to be officially labeled? But we look at those conventional imaging studies in functional medicine, and those are ran by neurologists and specialists in, in, this, in the uh, conventional medical world. But we also wanna look at what the immune system's doing. So we run different multiple autoimmune panels to look at the immune system's hypervigilance against not only nervous system tissues, but other things as well. Someone with one autoimmune condition is at a, increased likelihood of poly autoimmunity, where it's really just the myelin sheath is just collateral damage of a larger reactivity that's going on that may or may not be affecting other systems of the body beyond the nervous system as well. Do you need fresh groceries for the week, but don't have the time to go to the grocery store? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You may have not even known it, we all use DoorDash. Most of us use DoorDash. If you don't, you should. We use it for restaurants. Whenever I'm traveling for work, I will look at the local healthy food option restaurants in the area because I like chilling at my hotel when I'm there for work or when, even with my family when, I'm, when we're on trips. Um, I like the convenience of DoorDash. I can get healthy food delivered straight to my hotel or to my house when I'm home and uh, wherever I'm at. And what I love is now we can get DoorDash, not just for restaurants, but for the grocery store as well. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood or wherever you're at and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or they'll make it right for us. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. And if you want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a DashPass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code WILLCOLE at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20 with no minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app right now in the App Store and enter code WILLCOLE. Don't forget, that's code WILLCOLE, all one word, for a 50% off your first order with DoorDash. As I'm recording this podcast episode, I'm in between consulting patients online at the telehealth center and I'm sipping on my AG1. It's something that I do every day and if you don't know by now, if there's a sponsor on the podcast, it's because I use it myself, I recommend it to our patients, or both. And AG1 is definitely both. AG1 is daily foundational nutrition that supports your whole body health. I have it every day. It's something I know that it's a like a, a ritual, a micro habit that I can do every day that I get a lot of benefits from. 
Through a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients, AG1 delivers comprehensive support for your brain health, your gut health, your immune system. I, it's been a game changer in all of those areas for me. And as someone that looks at labs for a living, I see nutrient deficiencies all the time. Our soil isn't what it once was. Even those of us who are really intentional with optimizing nutrient density with our, our meals, it's still hard to fill in the gaps with our modern food supply and our busy schedules. And AG1 makes it really easy because it's one scoop in water and you're done for the day to really fill in those most common nutrient deficiencies. I think of it like a multivitamin, multimineral, a green superfood blend, an adaptogen blend, a probiotic blend, a functional mushroom blend, all in one. Since 2010, they've improved their formula 52 times in the pursuit of making the best foundational nutrition supplement possible through high-quality ingredients and rigorous standards. With just one scoop, you can get the nutrients and gut health support, energy support, brain support, longevity support that helps your whole body thrive and covers your nutritional bases. I love that AG1 is delivered monthly. I don't have to think about it. I love their travel packs and I travel so if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D. They have a vitamin D3 K2 blend and also five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Will Cole. That's drinkag and then the number one dot com slash Will Cole. That's drinkag1.com slash Will Cole. Check it out. There's other things that predispose, I, I maybe should talk about this real fast, is that women are twice as likely, sadly, to get MS than men. There's different reasons for that that are postulated in the scientific literature. One is, I mean, most autoimmune conditions, women are significantly more likely to be diagnosed versus men. One component that's being looked at in the research and has for years is the immuno, the the immune system regulation effect that estrogen and progesterone has on the immune system. So the fluctuations for cycling females, the way that estrogen and progesterone are modulating the immune system, the way the inflammation is expressed could be one component. There are immune system cells have receptors for hormones. So that's how that typically works. Estrogen may enhance autoimmunity progesterone. And that's why many women will notice their flare-ups improve postmenopausal, which is interesting. And why you may, for many people, they would notice there's some sort of seminal effect that pregnancy had on their health, either postpartum, during pregnancy, something shifted. And that in part is looking at estrogen and, proge estrogen and progesterone's effect on their immune system. And did it trigger some molecular mimicry when the immune system's lost recognition of self and has created these antibodies, these flags for destruction against the myelin sheath? Or again, it could be any other autoimmune condition. We're just talking about MS here. Age plays a part of it. it can, MS can affect people at any age, but typically people that are 16 to 55, which is a broad swath of people, are at a higher risk. Caucasians of European, European descent are more likely to develop MS, but that does not mean that only white people get MS. That's definitely not the case. It's just increased likelihood or higher percentage of people. I mentioned viral issues. I've seen people that get Epstein-Barr virus, other viral infections trigger MS and other autoimmune conditions as well. 
And then the research is clear with unresolved trauma, chronic stresses, implication with MS, cigarette smoking, other environmental toxins. We have patients that have been exposed at their jobs, actually involved in lawsuits, and these environmental toxins they're exposed to was is associated with increased likelihood of being uh, having MS triggered. So there's a lot of factors to consider of why what caused it. I don't know if that was a question that you had, but no, it, you it was exactly you led right into my next thing. But I want to circle back just to a couple of things that you had mentioned in the form of testing. Obviously, there's the traditional testing that you had mentioned, and then even talking about women and how their hormones can play a role. So that's also something we can look at is hormone testing and where people are at that point in time. I also think even some of those inflammation markers, well, what's driving the inflammation, those toxins, those biotoxins that you mentioned. So I do think there's quite a few things that we can look out even outside of the traditional medicine. Cause you're right. People are going to be told that they are fine for four to 10 years before they actually even exhibit a symptom um, that is worth that they're able to actually use as classical diagnosis. Along those lines, because we know that we have more testing available than this standard model of care, what are some other things that we do outside of any sort of medication or the standard model that people typically approach with MS, such as supplements? Because this is something that we know from clinical research can has been shown to impact that as well. Mm-hmm. Are there anything specific nutrient-wise that you think is worth bringing in in a supplemental form? Yeah. Can I go back to one thing that I didn't say? Yeah, uh, on labs no, before I jump in. Absolutely not. <laughs> but I just, it would be poor of me to not mention leaky gut syndrome specifically. Yes. And someone with leaky increased intestinal permeability or things passing through the gut that shouldn't be able to pass through the gut is increased blood brain barrier permeability or what they call leaky brain syndrome, which is an unfortunate term, but it's, it's a terrible name. As something can pass through the blood, the gut lining, like lipopolysaccharides, these bacterial toxins or undigested food proteins that can trigger this molecular mimicry because it can trigger the autoimmune conditions. And there's studies, multiple studies looking at this. One study found the increased intestinal permeability was correlated with the severity and the progression of MS. Another pilot study, more patients with relapsing remitting MS had increased intestinal permeability, 73% compared to healthy controls at just 25%. So it is a component to the potentiality of triggering uh, things, autoimmune conditions like MS. And we can measure blood-brain barrier permeability. The same proteins that are responsible for increased gut lining permeability are also associated with increased blood-brain barrier permeability or a breach of that protective myelin, the blood-brain barrier, triggering that these immune immune system cells of the nervous system that it attacks the nervous system, the microglial cells. So the the analogy is like the angel, this pruning immune system function of the of the brain tissue, the microglial cells, then can turn against the nervous system, and the angel becomes the assassin, and it creates this hypervigilant attack against the myelin sheath, which is associated with MS, not only MS, but other neurological symptoms as well that aren't MS, that are just neuroinflammatory in nature. So I wanted to mention that all of this can be quantified on labs and labs that we run for people around the world. Regularly, and regularly run. To answer your question, supplements. Well, food is first and you have to look at how the immune system is regulated 
and giving your body the appropriate cofactors that it needs to, to have a healthy, resilient, balanced immune system function. So look at the common nutrient deficiencies. I mean, vitamin D, magnesium, trace minerals. These things are important for regulating anybody's immune system. So somebody that has a more dysregulated, hypervigilant immune system is going to want to do anything they can to support a healthy, balanced inflammatory response, which can tremendously decrease the severity and the frequency of flare-ups. Vitamin D is one that is well documented out of all of the ones. There's studies looking at vitamin, whether or whether or not vitamin D receptors can increase the production of oligodendrocytes, which are basically the cells that are responsible for making the myelin sheath. The brain we know is rich with vitamin D receptor sites. So we like it about 60 to 80 in functional medicine. Vitamin C is another one that may help with myelin sheath production. You can get some of these from food. I mean, vitamin C is a good example. Vitamin D is hard to get from food. So supplementation, healthy amounts of sunlight uh, are helpful for people that are, have these autoimmune type issues and nervous system issues at large. But vitamin C is one that you can get from food and it has a, it's an antioxidant. So it's a great from an oxidative stress standpoint. Iodine can also be helpful. Iodine, you wanna be mindful uh, to not really supplement with it in copious amounts, but judicious supplementation. I prefer getting it from food primarily, but there's studies that show that iodine plays a role in myelin formation. We think of iodine as just a thyroid issue, but it's way more vast in its importance. Getting it from food primarily, like sea vegetables, kombu, kelp, dulse, arame, these type of um, nori, uh, zinc, yeah. Sorry, I just like hearing you list those vegetables, the sea vegetables. That like, was really like, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there was such a flow there. Sorry. I know. I, I'm like just everybody unfazed. goes and picks some arame. You know, about well, if you well, become the way a... you described it, I want to go get every single one right now. <laughs> and it, I mean, this is something we talk about with patients regularly. These, this is natural to our vernacular to talk about these foods. Uh, so. I love that you love that, Candice, because that is, it's literally, I'm sitting here thinking of all the ones he didn't name. <laughs> so like, what would you add to the list, Andrea? It's okay. We're not going to get distracted. <laughs> Zinc is another one. Zinc is really important from a myelin production standpoint and nervous system function, as well as an immune system function. Fatty acids, phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylcholine, choline, lecithin. These are really important fatty acids and compounds that are important for those oligodendrocytes again, the, these cells that are responsible for myelin sheath health. So, and then B vitamins, I, I can go on and on. I mean, B12, folate, the methylated forms of B vitamins are essential for a healthy nervous system. Iron, we see iron deficiency quite a bit, which you need iron for proper myelination. So- Vitamin A. In short, yeah, retinol uh, is a, a true vitamin A. Retinol is needed for oligodendrocytes and the immune system function too. Mm -hmm. So looking at fat-soluble vitamins, looking at water-soluble vitamins, looking at these micronutrients and mineral deficiencies are needed. They're needed for any human being, but certainly someone that has a volatile immune system, you want to make sure you're filling in the gaps with these, these nutrients. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we can do for testing. So not to overwhelm you and think, oh my gosh, Dr. Cole just gave me the longest list of supplements I have to go out and buy and all these sea vegetables that I don't even know what to do with. That's partially where people can become overwhelmed. And that's one of the things they're really good at is taking that stress off of you and helping you discern what is necessary and what areas of focus are good, best for you.
Did you know that one in three American adults have high blood pressure? That is shocking to me. But only half of those people have it under control, leading to increased risks of heart disease, heart failure, and strokes. Take the stress out of monitoring your blood pressure with accurate and easy-to-get results from the Braun Exact Fit 3. Braun is a 100-year-old brand, trusted and built to last. It is clinically proven accurate. The easy-to-read, extra-large display gives a color-coded indicator so you can take control of your health. It will display either green, yellow, orange, or red based on the American Heart Association's hypertension guidelines. It comes with two different size cuffs for better accuracy and soft inflation for added comfort. Braun has a setting to average your last three readings, which I love for our telehealth patients, because blood pressure can change throughout the day and it is greatly impacted by stress and also sleep and the foods that you eat. So it's really helpful to get different data points and then look at averages over time. Go to Amazon and search for Braun Exact Fit 3 Blood Pressure Monitor and use code 10 Will Cole, that's the number 10, one zero, Will Cole, all one word, 10 Will Cole. Use that code for $10 off at checkout. Again, go to Amazon, that's the Braun Exact Fit 3 blood pressure monitor, and use code 10 Will Cole for $10 off at checkout on Amazon. Have you heard about Beyond Collagen by Live Conscious? My telehealth team have been raving about this. So I checked it out and it's really cool. It's collagen complemented by extras featuring five types of collagen protein supercharged with biotin and vitamin C, which helps with collagen synthesis. This transformative formula was crafted to take your collagen experience to the next level. Collagen is fundamental to the beauty of your hair, your skin, your nail and joint health. And the addition of biotin and vitamin C amplifies collagen production in the body magnifying beauty benefits. It's time to express your true radiance one scoop at a time. Another product from Live Conscious that we've been loving is what they call Beyond Brew. Wake and brew with their potent blend of six super-powered organic mushrooms, including lion's mane and reishi, which are two functional mushrooms. It has a lot of longevity-supported benefits, brain-supported benefits, adaptogenic quality, so sort of a hormonal balancing effect on the body as well, plus powerful pre and probiotics for digestive support. They designed this formula to support sharp cognition, gut health, immune system health, and overall feel goodness. You can enjoy this Beyond Brew as your new morning ritual itself, or if you're not ready to kick the habit, simply add it to your coffee, smoothies, or your bowls to take things to the next level. Anyways, I'm a big fan of what this company is doing. So for both of these products, the Beyond Collagen as well as the Beyond Brew, you can get an exclusive 15% off both of these products only for the Art of Being Well listeners. Simply use promo code WILLCOLE on weliveconscious.com. That's W-E-L-I-V-E-C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S.com. WeLiveConscious.com. Use code WillCole to get 15% off the Beyond Brew as well as the Beyond Collagen. I love that you talked about food and that food 
is medicine and it is something that we have to look at. So beyond some of the things that you mentioned, I know that food and I would even say lifestyle are really important. You mentioned even stress management earlier in the conversation Mm -hmm. and how that can contribute. Are there any specific foods or lifestyle adjustments that you feel have you've seen a significant improvement with? Yeah, I have. And looking at nutrient density as a whole, obviously is a appropriate here, but beyond, I, I won't get into that. I mean, we've, we know that, but the, what I would ta- like to talk about is the specific utilization of how we're fueling our body with people that have MS is a low grade for most people, a low grade, at least cyclical experimentation with ketosis. Experimenting with ketosis, I find is to be a great tool within the toolbox at an increased likelihood, not to say that's a magic cure-all for everybody with MS, but I would say out of the populations of patients that we see, we see a higher needle moving impact that at least low grade cyclical intermittent times in ketosis, some for pe- some people long-term maintenance standpoint in ketosis. And how you get that is a high, typically higher fat, moderate protein, lower carbohydrate approach. And we're talking about clean, well-formulated nutrient dense ketogenic diet, not some dirty keto like you know, food, nutrient rich, but all, but uh, also facilitating some ketosis. So that is because it's beta hydroxybutyrate is an epigenetic modulator. That's sort of the mechanism of action that researchers are looking at how is how and why it's beneficial for people with nervous system issues, not just MS and other inflammatory autoimmune problems is that lowers these pro-inflammatory cytokines. It increases these pro-longevity, pro-antioxidant, like the AMPK pathway, the NRF2 pathway, which is really lacking in people that have these dysregulated inflammatory responses and nervous need some nervous system stabilization. So beyond the nutrient dense, like the fact that you're focusing on healthy fats and cholesterol rich foods and healthy fatty acids, which are the brain is 60% fat, 25% of all your body's cholesterol is in your brain. So beyond ketosis in and of itself, the nutrients you're getting from a healthy Clean ketogenic diet are helpful from a raw material standpoint, but beyond that standpoint, the production, like getting your body to tap into this fourth macronutrient of ketosis is very stabilizing independent of the nutrient density. So yeah, I've seen dramatic improvements in the decrease of the severity and frequency of flare-ups and improvement of symptoms, improvement of labs with people that at least experiment. doesn't mean you always have to be in ketosis, but at least seeing testing ketones via blood meter or breath meter to see how, where, where does blood sugar go? Where do ketones go? And correlating it over time with where their symptoms are at and improving symptoms over time. These are not quick fix issues, but these are over time things that we've seen significant improvements at the telehealth center for uh, for people. Some other supplements that I didn't mention that are beyond like nutrients, micronutrients and, and macronutrients are functional mushrooms. Lion's mane has been shown to improve myelination. So these adaptogenic or functional mushrooms have been shown to be beneficial. Ginkgo is another adaptogenic type plant medicine that's been shown to increase myelination. So I know I'm jumping around here, but those no, are some I mean, things that's to good. I mean, it's a food plus a supplement. I mean, exactly. A lot of, you can cook with these things too. Yeah. I mean, go to your local Whole Foods. There's going to be a whole slew of adaptogenic mushrooms. So no, I think that's great, Dr. Cole. One of the things that I do think it's important to talk about too are, because I, I know we've talked about food, we've talked about 
ketosis. We've talked about supplements. I want to talk about just some of the general, I'll call them therapies or lifestyle therapies that we've seen that have really helped some of our MS patients. And I know we're going to head into the mental health component of that and the aspects from that standpoint, but are there anything that you can think of that we've seen some significant improvement with patients or clinical research surrounding other type of conjunctive therapy ideas? Well, I mean, the most well-researched and it's the most basic and but foundational if you're not doing it, it's physical therapy. It's doing some either rehab, phys- phys- uh, physiotherapy on your own or more preferably with somebody that knows what they're doing at the beginning to at least teach you. So there's different studies out there. One meta-analysis looked at exercise and physiotherapy for MS and showed increased improve like a, a, a significant improvement of symptoms versus those that didn't do the exercise. It's mundane. It, people can it can be uh, very annoying for people that have symptoms, but it's something to really meet your body where it's at, but really be consistent with over time. Chiropractic adjustments have been shown to improve pain symptoms for people that have MS. Massage therapy can be a game changer for people that have MS. Reflexology has some compelling studies looking at its improvement of MS. And specifically within protocols that we do too, people that have MS typically have a heat intolerance. Heat therapy, overheating their body can actually make symptoms a lot worse. So you have to be careful. And this isn't applicable to everybody, but I would say meeting your body where it's at, starting off very judiciously, very low and slow, but experimenting with sauna therapies and getting your heat tolerance built up over time. A lot of people with MS, because of this, have a problem with sweating. And they know when they body overheats, symptoms get a lot worse. So, so you definitely, I don't recommend this for everybody right out of the gates. But when we get things calmed down, we improve resilience and flexibility from an immune system standpoint, then it's definitely something that we've seen a lot of success with the more advanced like further into support care with us, we're able to really get them sweating well, supporting detox pathways and improving their heat tolerance so they have more resilience. When they are at a hot summer on a hot summer day, they're not going to have a flare-up of symptoms when their body overheats. But because of that heat intolerance, people with MS can do really well with cold therapy, cold plunging, which can really calm down the some of their neuroinflammatory symptoms. So starting off low and slow, as with everybody, but we see a lot of success with that as well, whether it's an ice bath, cold shower, cold plunging, cryotherapy. These are different tools that we work with telehealth patients on. And then obviously when they've got to the point where they can handle this contrasting therapy between hot and cold. Love it. And I I think the last point to touch on is the mental component of MS. Yeah. And so I think we yeah. can. One thing I didn't mention, ESTEM. ESTEM has some great studies yes. around it too. We've seen great success with. Which a lot of times you're going to see in physical therapy or even chiropractic offices. Yeah. Yep, exactly. We get at-home units for people too that they see great success Yes, we with. do. So yeah, that's the physiological side, but the, you're absolutely right. The mental, emotional, spiritual side is so important with people that have nervous system inflammation at large, but of course, people with MS. Candice, what's what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, for me, when I see MS patients in particular, what comes to me, and I'm I'm speaking generally here, and I'm not speaking for anybody, but it always seems that there's a barrier 
to going deeper, especially with these patients. So I would ask, you know, do you notice a mark? I see a little bit of a difference with someone who with a diagnosis of MS versus somebody that's dealing with chronic fatigue or a hormonal disruption. Do you guys, when you're working with patients, see any nuance there and what? how would you describe it? Well, when somebody, I don't know if this answers your question, but I, I think when somebody is in the throes of flare-ups, especially for something as scary it can be scary. Mm-hmm. They have nervous system. When they're tre- having tremors, they're having trouble walking, they have trouble picking up their feet when things can get bad with yes. flare-ups. Or some people are in wheelchairs when we're meeting them. It's a very scary to lose function of your body to that level. Yes. And not to say that's everybody with MS. Some people have very mild symptoms, but it's a spectrum. It's scary when you start losing function of your body and your brain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of overwhelm and there's almost can be this consumption of fear and anxiety where they just don't, they're immobilized to literally and figuratively because they're just too completely overwhelmed. So to to really pull them out of that darkness sometimes is, it's powerful because you really, lay, they know there's some hope and there's light at the end of the tunnel. And you described like the, what's going on with the immune system. You described the relationship as a volatile immune system. And I think even with Mm. patients with MS, what tends, what I see often is almost, it becomes a volatile relationship with themselves, with the diagnosis. So, you know, what do you do when you're in that place? And there's the first thing I would say, and when I see successful patients that we work with that are feeling very successful is they've enlisted support. Mm. And, but there can be a barrier even to that first step of enlisting support. And what does that look like? You know, to really allow yourself to be vulnerable when your body's in this state, you're being vulnerable to what your position and your situation is right now. There can be healing just in that first step. But you very often need, Dr. Cole, you say in gut feelings, you're, you serve as the quarterback Mm-hmm. for, you know, a patient's team. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's there's something to be said for when you have a diagnosis of MS, having a quarterback, having somebody on your side that is helping you through these processes because, you, you know, depending on what your symptoms are, depending on what you're experiencing, you may not be able to do it on your own. And then you're going to have feelings about that too. So when I'm talking about the mental health side of that, I hope what you're hearing is that's a piece that can sort of cloud mm-hmm. the patient's journey. So recommended practices that I like and they and I actually like that they weren't ones that you listed tapping I think is a good way to connect with the body and release emotion because when I think of somebody with MS I think of a very full plate mm-hmm. so to speak and where can they effectively work with themselves in a way that's manageable mm-hmm. so I I like that you know tapping EFT is a is a process that they can learn about. You can actually have people do it for you, which I really like as well. Um, and then the other one I would talk about a little bit is cranial sacral work because you're able to go in and I don't know, have you, have you done it? I've never done it. I have not you done got, it either. Oh my goodness. I, so I'm going to tell you guys, you need to go do this. What I love about this is how non-invasive it really is. And you don't have to do anything except lie down and accept that someone's going to be working with you and for you on your behalf. But really, it, all it is, is a type of body work that relieves compression in the bones of the head, the sacrum, and the spinal column. And so it's very light touch. You go in on a... T- my experience was, and I'm sure practitioners do this in a different way. My experience has always been you go in, you lie down or in a comfortable position, you're fully clothed, 
and the practitioner works with you. Some like to do a little bit of a pre-talk to talk. Maybe are you working through something in particular? It, But the beauty of this is it doesn't have to be something I'm working through this emotion. You can just go in and like a massage, allow the treatment to be what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's very non-invasive, very gentle, and the shifts can be really real. So you just go in and, and get some goodness washed over you and get some mm-hmm. relief. So that's what I would share there. Have mm-hmm. you had patients describe oh, their yeah. experience with that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, it's, I have something that I haven't done personally, but I've seen great complementary to what we're doing here, a great tool to, for people to consider. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah. And EFT, um, which is emotional freedom tapping, that has had what we're trying to really accomplish there is lightening the load, right? If you're somebody with autoimmunity, we know we talk about this every episode. There's such a commonality with trauma and chronic stress. So we know it doesn't matter what your autoimmune diagnosis is, you're coming in with these situations. So how do we move that effectively? And we always talk about people's barrier to maybe other methods of working through trauma. Everyone thinks it's what? I have to go talk to somebody and I have to go relive it. And whatever therapist I'm seeing is going to tell me you're doing this wrong. And my daughter and I, we've been, we've, I think we're, what, what are we watching right now? We're watching Virgin River and the therapist in Virgin River is telling someone, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, Jillian, I was talking to my daughter. I'm like, this is why no one does therapy because we represent it on TV as this is what's wrong with you. I'm going to tell you what to do. Nobody wants to do that. There's such a barrier to that. So that's why I think like these interventions where you're able to go in, have a practitioner walk you through how to do it. But then you have a lot of control as to when you implement it, what you're implementing it about. Are you Mm -hmm. focusing as an MS patient on anger? Are you focusing on grounding or your relationship to yourself? Are you focusing on hope and what you believe about your future and, you know, maybe a a micro goal that you're working on? Maybe you're working towards reducing those tremors or something like that. You can use these therapies in the now and work through what you're working through in the now. And to me, as somebody that's worked through trauma, that is tremendously a lighter load than is the thought of going in and going, okay, I've got 25 years of stuff to unpack mm-hmm. and I'm carrying all of these symptoms, a diagnosis and weight of autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. And I think that's why we see people that do these somatic practices and these non-talking reliving practices to just focus on metabolizing that stored trauma tend not as a place for traditional therapy, absolutely. but it's not always 
it's not always the most advantageous or the most needle moving when you're talking about these type of autoimmune issues. Yeah, for sure. Because I think, you know, there can be, there can be a lot of anger associated with this diagnosis too. And I think, you know, culturally we don't manage anger well at all. We don't, we don't manage big emotions at all, but I think specifically here having that, it, it can be just like a wall in front of somebody with MS. Yeah. So, you know, anything that you can do to be open about that and have somebody that you can be really transparent, I think is another thing to talk about because you guys see patients that have MS, the impact on their spouse, the impact on their relationships with their close family and children. Somebody going through this really does need someone mm-hmm. to be on their side and be non almost non-connected to them, mm-hmm. right? There's yeah. value in having that. And what I always tell people is, it's okay to pay that individual, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, what are you, what are you really buying into? You're buying into, you're making an investment into someone that's going to be there for you so that you can still function mm-hmm. in your relationships with other people. Because nobody wants to be a burden. But I think that can be a barrier on, you know, a barrier for people that maybe just being transparent about that. Like, listen, taking getting a quarterback for your emotional health can really mm-hmm. do wonders for your relationships and for your your relationship with yourself while you're going through this. Yeah. And that's interesting. The feedback we get from people that have gone through care with us. Yeah. That just as much as the physiological stuff, we all say, oh, if you found this on a lab, you, you, de- you dealt with this or you dealt with, you know, something we didn't talk about that's important to talk about or things like chronic Lyme disease, which can trigger these MS type mm-hmm. symptoms. Mold toxicity can trigger these neuroinflammatory problems. Like people have a lot of gratitude and wow of de- dealing with these root issues that can trigger these autoimmune problems. But it's just as much as when I hear the reviews and read the reviews from people saying, you held space for me. You gave me these mental, emotional tools that are, they didn't imagine would be just as therapeutic, if not more for some people as the physiological things. Because, and what I'll say to that too is, you know, you take someone that with a mold exposure, that is not a simple thing to deal with in your life. Like we see people that have moved out of their homes, they're temporarily displaced. So yeah, even just the, the things that contributed to your situation can be a lot to deal with on a normal day for somebody just going through life without a diagnosis. Right. So yeah, I agree. And so connecting this side, it's okay. What can we do? I think should always be or what do I, what am I happy to do? What is, what am I able to accomplish? I think is a good thing for people to focus on in the now. What can I do? Supplements. Labs are going to clarify this for me, but on the emotional mental health standpoint, Mm -hmm. what are the two or three things that I can do that I'm happy to do that are supporting me the whole way through? And it's going to be different for everybody. So you mentioned a bunch of different therapies. I'm mentioning EFT and craniosacral, but it's certainly not limited to that. You mentioned movement, gentle movement. I've had, and I'm sure you had in physical therapy work, release, phys, emotional mm-hmm. releases as well. Yeah. So it's not limited to these things that we're talking about. The biggest thing I want to emphasize is connecting to something that you are happy to be implementing into your wellness routine, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I think of the hip openers during yoga class and how they- all, I was every, literally just thinking Every about yoga it. instructor says, you you may cry. We've yeah. seen people cry. Well, that's what we're talking about here. Yep. This is applicable to anybody, Yeah, not just people with MS. And, you know, women in particular, like with our the idea that, you know, I was carried in my grandmother's womb, that mm-hmm. idea, you know, these, mm-hmm. these things are passed down and we're acclimated to an environment that's generations back. 
And so just as a reminder, you know, I, I share this with my daughter too. Sometimes the things that you're working through or trying to release emotionally aren't even yours. You're mm -hmm. doing sort of a historical work or you're doing an environmental work. It's kind of like mold re remediation, mm -hmm. but just emotionally. Yeah. You didn't put the mold there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you weren't like, here, let's let's get this in the house. It's similarly similar with some of this emotional trauma. Like this is a survival mechanism that was passed on to you for good reason, mm -hmm. but now you just have to do the remediation. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> do you Very like true. that mold I analogy? Like that. Emotional like a good remediation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is great stuff. The little out-of-the-box therapy before we go is that I wanted to mention is helminthic therapy. There's Ooh. growing amount of I, studies. I was surprised it took you this long to bring it up. Because <laughs> it's MS specific, right? It's yeah. autoimmune specific, but like there's really compelling researchers looking at helminthic. So it ties into the mental health as physical health component because it's the mechanism of action here is modulating that gut-brain axis. Yeah which will improve immune, uh, immune, uh, the neuroinflammatory response. These are non-human parasites. Helminths is the Greek word for worm. These are typically uh, animal whipworms that will not live to maturity in humans, but the, just go to drwillcole.com, type in helminthic therapy. I've written all the research and like summarized the research, I, I should say, and how we've seen it be successful and how researchers are seeing it to be successful. So I, I wanted to talk about one out of the box thing that's MS specific. I don't think it's out of the box. I We know it works. Yeah. We've seen it, it work. It increases T regulatory cells, which is the sort of immune system balancing. So it's not a first round. Like start with all the things we talked about, <laughs> but educate yourself on helminthic therapy too. But thank you both for being a part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Before we go, we actually have a very special intimate conversation with one of my telehealth patients who just coincidentally is now part of our team as well. Yes, I'm this. excited for this conversation. Yeah, you're gonna love we it. We all love Christy. Yeah, we really love Christy. Let's get right to it. Christy, I'm really excited this is happening. Thanks for coming on the pod. Oh, this is awesome because you know how much I love the the information you put out in the world. So to be a part of it is is an honor for me. Oh my goodness! So this is a unique. This has never happened on the podcast. We at the end of every mental health is physical health episode, we have somebody that's some telehealth patient that we've had where we kind of really get granular on their journey, what it looked like for them. Because as you know, these things can be very isolating and you feel like you're the only person in the world that's going through this. And it could be very healing and cathartic to know you're not alone and to see the other side of impossible, someone that's really reclaiming their health that's in the journey oftentimes, but light years better than where they used to be. But I've never had somebody that was a telehealth patient of mine that now I'm so blessed to have you on our clinic team. And that's, I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but a lot of our patients, really, if you look at professions, we get a lot of people in the healthcare world, a lot of medical doctors, a lot of nurses, a lot of health coaches, a lot of trainers that are immersed in this and they're looking for beyond the basic stuff or they're people that weren't traditionally in this space, but through their own health journey, wanted to wanted to become certified or trained professionally in the health space to help other people or just for their own enrichment. They may not even do it full time. They may not leave their career, but I'm talking too much. What was that journey like for you? Like, how did you become, you know, in the uh, partly a part-time health coach, at least? I think what for me, coaching has always been part of my life. 
So I coached a lot of sports. I was a trainer. I was also a group fitness instructor. So there was always that, you know, I had to manage people in my nine to five job. So there was always that uh, want to nurture someone and to help. And I've had great coaches when I played sports that were influential on me. And I think it's just always been in me that I wanted to always pass that along and, and be able to help someone else. So for me, when I got diagnosed, you know, it, it, it like you said, it's a hard journey. But if I feel like what a benefit it is to the world, mm -hmm. if someone can learn something from my journey, even if it's just one person, like I just that means so much to me because it is hard. And, you know, mm -hmm. if you can just throw out that little breadcrumb that maybe one person picks up that helps them kind of figure out what's best for them. It's incredible. And so it's funny how things work. If it wasn't for COVID, maybe I don't become a health coach because I was already a whole 30 certified coach. But then I was like, I really want to do something further because 30 days is not a lot of time. We know, you know, 30 days is nothing. It's like a drop in the bucket in this journey. Mm -hmm. And so what can I do that can help these folks get something that sticks? And the fact that IIN, which now I know you're, you know, part of the curriculum and all that, a six month basic program, I mean, most of my regular health coaching clients would stay for a year. So this wasn't a quick process. So I really just fell in love with that. But if it wasn't for COVID, I probably wouldn't have had the time to do the certification. So it's yeah. funny how some of these awful things turn into to yeah. good things, you know, Opportunities. just like, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. I saw that so much during, from 2020 on people that really had to reprioritize their life or had time to do things they didn't wouldn't otherwise have or let go of things that really weren't serving them. And being in telehealth, I saw a big jump of people realizing, oh, I don't have to wait in traffic for X amount of time to then sit in a waiting room for X amount of time <laughs> just to see a doctor. And we've been doing telehealth for th over 13 years. So I, you know, it was a silver lining in a really heavy, horrible time in human history. But let's go back, rewind when we first met, like, what were you going through? And let's start there. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, right away when I got diagnosed, I knew, look, I'm going to just do what I can. I'm going to control the factors that I can control and, you know, had already started down a, a nutritional path where I was trying to figure out what was best for me. Whole30 started that for me. But as you know, when you have autoimmune, sometimes a Whole30 is just not enough. You need to do more. And so because of Melissa Urban and because you had done some things with her and you had spoken at a couple of our conferences, you know, I was aware of what you were doing. I was really just starting to really understand and make sense of functional medicine and was like, gosh, this makes so much sense to me. I mean, this is how I function. I always want to know the cause. You know, I always want to with everything, you know, whether it's business, pleasure, whatever. I always want to know the cause, like what's the root of what's going on? So it made sense to me. And then, you know, again, another blessing in disguise, a God wink. You know, I, the Golf Channel where I worked for a long time, 17 and a half years, decided to move and I wasn't moving. And so I knew I was going to be changing career paths in some ways. Without, you know, the idea, I had a severance from that, that I knew I could put some money into my health. Let's, let's get me where I want to be. And so I knew right away that, you know, you were a person that I had respected so much. You were the person that made me realize there is keto that makes sense. Because when you were talking about ketotarian, that was the first time I heard you speak. And I went, gosh, this makes sense. Because I was always like, what sense does it make to eat dairy, to eat all this 
saturated fat that if you have a family like mine with heart issues, like, why would I do that? You know, but then I listened to you do ketotarian. And so I had heard that I had heard you speak at another conference. And I was like, I think it was in August and a month later, or maybe a couple of weeks after that, I decided I'm going to make an appointment. I want to, I want to talk to Dr. Cole. I want to see how much further I could get. Was I really like in a bad state at that time? No, I had done a lot of work, but I knew there was more. And I was really interested in uncovering the whys. Like, why did this happen to me? You know, what what is at the root of this? You know, for me, for the peace of mind, that was very important to me. And so it landed me, you know, on your doorstep. And again, you know, funny how things work, but it, you know, it's it's a crazy journey. But the steps, like every single step is just you know, I feel like, you know, someone's looking out for me all the time because they're always putting people in front of me that seem to be able to help take care of me. Yeah, it's true. It's 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 synchronicity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Carl, Carl Jung talks about that. But let's talk about some like everybody's story as to how when you're talking about autoimmune issues or it could be hormone problems for somebody else or digestive problems for another person or fatigue for another person. But let's just talk about your journey. With autoimmune specifically, we know that there are there can be genetic components to it, and then but the majority of it for most people is epigenetics. It's some environmental component that's triggering that predisposition potentially, or triggering that hypervigilant inflammatory response when the immune system starts to lose recognition of self, and. Uh, and, you know, and there, there can be physiological components, underlying gut problems, environmental toxins. We see a lot of mold toxins on labs, you know, this. And then there can be mind-body component, you know, unresolved trauma, chronic stress. That's why we call these episodes mental health is physical health. But for you, what are what are some root cause issues that was the most surprising that you discovered on your journey? Well, I, I think, you know, once... I knew I had been exposed to chemicals for a long period of time. I'm like, well, this, 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 is, this can't be good. And there were a lot of unexplained things, even prior to me being diagnosed with MS, that could have had a root here. I had infertility for the longest time that was unexplained. Like, no matter what test I had, they were like, I, I don't know. Everything looks fine. You know, we do everything right. Everything looks fine. And yet nothing, you know, nothing was working. And so there was that. And when I think the most shocking thing, was to know how much chemicals I was exposed to and for how long. And then it's like, that's kind of scary, you know, when you think about it. And, um, you know, we've had people not as fortunate, you know, people not as fortunate as me who are, who are doing worse and dealing with, you know, really serious repercussions. So that, and then I think the idea that mold can stay in your body for as long as it did. And, you know, you knew right away on our first appointment, I, we talked and I was like, you know, this is really weird. But back in 04, there was this hurricane and we had, you know, some mold in our house and, you know, we got it cleaned up, but I remember it was just visible. So and that place ended up closing because of roof damage from hurricanes. And so knowing that mold could stay in your body for that long, like to me, that was the most shocking revelation. You know, I'm learning all the time from, from you and the team every day of all these things. But to me, the mold, I was like, gosh, we live in Florida. Like this has got to be more prominent than I ever imagined. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, putting that together and knowing the toxic load that we're already under on a daily basis and just understanding that was, it's all really a lot to comprehend, mm -hmm. but also knowing that you do have some control here and you can do some things to mitigate this and to help, 
you know, clear your body of these toxins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're talking about chronic environmental toxin exposure. And, and when we use that term, uh, there's so many, there's hundreds of thousands of potential environmental toxins uh, for you. What was it specific? Like was a specific class of toxins? So people are going to want to know, like, what is she talking about? Yeah. So for me, you know, we, we saw a lot of mold. Ochre toxin was the big one when we first started. And, you know, we knew ochre toxin, you know, inhalation, water damage. And, but you can get ochre toxin knowing that you can also get ochre toxins in food was a revelation too. I didn't realize that, you know, I was eating a lot of moldy foods per se. Everyone's going to think, well, if you saw mold, why'd you eat that food? That's not what we mean. <laughs> it's not, a, it's not visible mold. I'm not, you know, picking, picking moldy <laughs> fruit out of my refrigerator and eating it necessarily. But, you know, yeah. knowing that that could also be contributing to it also. And then I think the, the big thing about that was having it show up go less, but then having another test to follow up and having another one appear because suddenly when your body is starting to clear these things, when it mm -hmm. wasn't before, they show up. So fully was fully prepared for that, you know, follow up to either show a higher level or mm -hmm. show a new kind of mold. And sure enough, a new kind of mold that I, was aflatoxin that mm -hmm. showed up. And that one, you know, I, you know, again, I had been in you, we live in Florida, so it's really hard. So, you know, the most important thing was you just get my body to clear this, you know, mm -hmm. so that I'm detoxing properly. So that yeah. that was that was a uh, yeah, I didn't expect it to be as high as it was knowing as far back as it was, but just seeing those pop up, but then also seeing the clear up was yeah. pretty awesome, too. 100%. And I when just to give further context for people, we look at the mold toxins clearing, but we also look at the immune system's response to it, the immune markers to see put those those uh, things that are coming out in the urine in context. And we want to see those those immune markers come down to in conjunction cuz like you said, sometimes you can see mold toxins come up on the second retest. But the person feels a lot better. And when you look at the immune markers and the inflammation markers, it's actually calming down. So you, we want the body to be clearing this stuff out. So in the middle, in the thick of that healing journey, you can, you see actually levels come up higher. But the long-term goal, goal, obviously, is to remove exposure and support these detox and methylation pathways to have the body clear it out. And we have to look at that genetic component, right? A lot of our patients have these methylation and HLA gene variants and detox gene variants that make their body more on a bio-individual level more sensitive to these things. So people always ask me, well, well, my partner or my spouse or my roommate, they're not having the reaction. So, and that's oftentimes used against the person that's going through it unknowingly, right? But family members will be like, oh, I'm fine. Why are you having a problem? But it's it's this bio-individuality, this interplay between genetics and epigenetics. I don't know if you want to talk about that, that all and like what you notice, uh, what your body can handle versus maybe someone else in your family. Yeah. And I mean, look, I, I, you know, I had people that lived with me that don't, you know, that don't necessarily have that, uh, the types of responses that I did, but obviously for me, you know, I, I was, you know, maybe, but I look at it this way too. Right. And I guess there's two ways we can look at it. Yes. I didn't detox it and it still was in me. But at the end of the day, I'll be honest, I would be, I would say I'm grateful knowing the amount of things I was exposed to for as long as I was that things weren't worse. So mm. I always feel like grateful of that, even though I know that for me, it's work. Like I have to make sure that I'm continuously doing things 
to support my detox pathways being open. You know, I'm sweating, I'm doing sauna blankets, you know, binders here and there. So, and being, you know, on supplements that are going to continue to help me. But what you helped me do and the team is just pinpointing the supplements that was that were valuable to me in the long term to continue to do this so that I know if I am exposed to this, because again, we live in Florida, it could be any day, any time that I have the ability to clear this from my body. So yeah. I realize my limitations and that I have to be a little more careful. My wiggle room may not be the same as my husband's or my family, someone else in my family, but just understanding, knowing that, accepting that, and then just mm -hmm. doing what needs to be done to help keep things at bay. Yeah, well said. I always think of our patients, in many cases, are canaries in the coal mine for their family and friends because environmental toxins or biotoxins like mold, it's not healthy for anybody. Our patients, because they have these genetic variants, will end up saving their family member's life because these things can be cumulative, low-grade exposure over time, even for the best detoxer, the best methylator. And these things are carcinogenic. They're linked to cancer and other neurodegenerative problems down the line. So if they can get their home remediated or remove the exposure of some environmental toxin, think of the blessing in that I'm talking about that silver lining again. Like you mm -hmm. said, that it's a blessing. Uh, not going through it, you don't see it always, but it, all, when you look back, it is huge because you can remove these things that are not healthy for anybody. Yeah. So like getting a air filter, you know, getting our air conditioning, you know, unit checked. We, you know, we make, we got a UV light, we got that, you know, dialed in. So we have a newer home, but we also had a, a leak when I first moved in. So that was scary too, because at first I was like, oh gosh, what if it's in our home and my husband's being exposed to us and our animals, you know, being exposed to, it's not good for them either. So I, I do think, yeah, it's blessings and you are, you know, knowing what we know, we are able to help take care of those we love and pass along the info, but I also think there's people out there that are still just don't believe it, that it's mm -hmm. possible. And, you know, you don't know uh, there's a scream when there's just little whispers, right, for mm -hmm. a long time until all of a sudden there's this scream out of, oh my gosh, like now I've reached my threshold. So just if everybody can do little preventative things, you know, prevention is just that's the stuff I wish I knew before, right? Mm -hmm. So that I would have known that. So that's why we we try to pass along the info that we do is so that mm -hmm. people will maybe do these little things that can help them and their family before it gets to this point of autoimmune. Yeah, right. And you look, people, people, I want you to know that you don't have to live in a bubble. We're not fear mongering you. The body is amazingly resilient. Even if you have the most methylation gene variants and SNPs and HLA and detox gene variants, but um, this is about empowering people and you have to know what you're dealing with to do something about it. And we're all living testaments of that. Something that I know about your case specifically, it was, and a lot of our patients tell me this, is that I have issues sweating. I can't sweat. I could be in the sauna or this, or when I work out, it takes a lot for me to sweat. And can you talk about that specifically with your journey and that turning point of nervous system regulation and how you saw, okay, sweating is a normal part. It's not something that people should normalize, not sweating. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, I think I will never forget the conversation I had with Andrea on an appointment. My line to her went something like this. Well, and we're talking about mental health here. We're not talking about physical health at this point in time. We're talking about nervous system regulation. And, you know, not that I would say that I, I didn't think I had to do it, but I don't think I realized the magnitude of it until Andrea said to me, I said, well, I don't really stay where, 
where I'm at for too long. Like I'm not too high. I'm not too low. I'm pretty even keel. So even if I get up here, you know, I, I can regulate and get in the middle. She's like, no, you've never acknowledged, you know, what you've been through and you need to acknowledge it. And, and what she was saying, there's so much truth in that, because what we'll do is this is what I was doing. I would say, well, I don't have anything but gratitude because I could be worse. There's people out there worse than me. But you really have to own your own journey and not compare it to someone else. Your journey is your journey. Right. And so she kind of she really snapped me into it that day, probably without even trying really hard. But it just for me resonated so well. I knew I had to do something. So, you know, you guys are so great to give us resources. And, you know, we give our patients resources all the time about kind of like look at all your choices, figure out what resonates with you and choose. And so I chose I really felt like I wanted a human being to talk to. And so, you know, I chose Dr. Kraft to work with because she had worked with patients of yours. And I was like, I want someone I can talk to that understands the journey. And so that was one of the best decisions I made. And when her and I started working together, it was probably only, I would say, two months in. All of a sudden, my sweat sessions are turning into a sweaty mess, which from before I was like, gosh, how high do I have to turn the sauna up to sweat? So all of a sudden I'm noticing I'm sweating more because I'm releasing traumas. And again, we talk little T, big T traumas. I don't want to make, you know, make everything sound like a trauma is not always life. That doesn't mean life threatening every time here. I, if you're a person that hasn't felt well, it's trauma, right? Because you, mm -hmm. you, you just want to feel better. And so, you know, I had to go back to some things when I was a kid that I hadn't really thought about. And she made me do that. And so, yeah, I saw physical results from that and also physical results of not feeling pain as quickly and as drastically as I would. I dropped a Dyson hairdryer on my foot one day and it sure it hurt in that second, but it was what I noticed was that didn't hurt the day after. I didn't get a bruise. And I was a person like if I banged my foot or something one day, it was there for a week. I was like, it was I was hobbled a little bit, it hurt. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm not feeling pain like I did before. So I did have those those tangible results, you know, right away. And my, my work with her is so important. So I'm always thankful that you guys pointed me in that direction to understand that. And now every day we're doing, I'm doing something like Dr. Kreft always says to me, you don't have to do everything every day, but just carve out time. And then whatever your body's kind of telling you, you need that day, you can fill it with whatever you want. So sometimes, you know, with her, she taught me EFT tapping. I had a problem, you know, at night, where I was afraid to go to sleep because when I first got diagnosed that my symptoms would come at night. Mm. So she really provided some extra valuable tools in the toolbox, as we like to say, that could really help me on that front. And I think that that's sped up my healing. So Andrea mm -hmm. said to me, you're going to heal, but it's going to go quicker if you can dig into this. And she was she was 100 percent right. Wow, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. And the last question I have for you is what what's it like to be on the other side now? And you're part of the clinic, the telehealth patient team. And I'm so I love being able to work with you on this level now, too. But what's that like for you? Well, it's awesome because, you know, I just loved the process from day one, you know, with the team and, and being with you, you all. And I mean, honestly, and I know I'm speaking for a bunch of people out there you don't get cared for like this. You don't get one hour appointments to talk about your case, your blood work. Uh, you don't have, you know, necessarily in Western medicine, doctors pointing you to 
to all these resources that can help you outside of a pharmaceutical. Not, not no offense to them. This is how they're trained. You know, I don't mean this to disrespect any Western medicine doctors. It's just done differently. And so to be able to be a part of this, because I just loved your whole team, you know, from day one, I, everyone I met with, I thought was just amazing and so knowledgeable and so caring. And so to be on this end of things and see the tangible results in patients. And I also think it helps when they know that we've sat in their shoes and mm. I don't yeah. necessarily share my story with every patient, but sometimes it's applicable. So if I have a patient with MS, I'm probably sharing my story, you know? Mm -hmm. So I pick and choose when, but I think it really does help when they know that you've sat in that space. And look, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done, but it's so rewarding, Dr. Cole. You know, every time we get a review or I've gotten an email from a patient that's just you know, so emotional that we change their lives. Like you can't replace that. There's mm -hmm. nothing, there's nothing else you do in life. That's the thing. I like my full-time job, but mm -hmm. this is a different world and a different space. And there's really, really nothing else that mm -hmm. I do that is as rewarding as knowing that someone's getting better, you know, because we help them and because of the work that they're doing themselves. Yeah. So true. I'm looking as you're talking about this, I have multiple cards on the side of my I just keep here for a long time. And they're just people writing out the most beautiful awesome. stories and like act and people don't write cards. Like this is like a lost art for many people. I know some people do, but you know, it's less now than ever before in human history. But I get these beautiful long stories in cards, which are so special to me from our patients. And we just love them so much. And we love you and having you part of the team. And you're absolutely right. Someone that's walked the walk and not just pontificating or theorizing, but really has lived this is healing in and of itself. Cause you're kind of on the ground with them. You know what it's been like, and you're on the other side of, of that seemingly impossible journey. I want to highlight an amazing, you're, you're doing amazing things outside of the clinic and doing this really life-changing podcast for people. Tell everybody this is your chance to share your work with, with your podcast. Yeah. And again, this is like, a, I blame Dr. Kraft for this because she always tells me, follow what, what she says, what pings you. And I just <laughs> like, I love the podcast format. I've always, you know, I've, I've listened to your podcast, several other podcasts, and it just has always resonated with me. And I thought to myself, you know what? I have, I am blessed with having so many people in my life that have helped me that could provide valuable information to others. So why would, instead of me telling you what they said, why wouldn't I bring them on so you could hear it yourself? So mm -hmm. it's pretty random. You know, there's gonna be random days where, you know, someone might listen and they might go, well, I don't really, you know, care about the fitness world per se. But I would like to say that I think anyone can learn from anyone's journey Mm -hmm. Take aside from what they're a part of, but listen to the core basics that they use to get where they've gotten in their mm -hmm. life and you can learn something. So the ripple effect is something we talk about in IIN. And so I believe in that, you know, and ripple effect is just meaning, you know, take that information and pass it to someone else. So the goal is whoever listens, you hear it and you pass it along to someone, you know. And so that's that's the goal with it. And, you know, you know this from doing a podcast, you would be OK with it if one person listened or one million, because if it just helps that one person finds that breadcrumb on their mm -hmm. path, you've done a great job. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's my goal. And I've gotten a lot of emails from people that are just like, oh, I sent this to my daughter or I sent this to my son or this really helped me. So 
you know, that that means that it's doing exactly, you know, what it's designed mm -hmm. to do. And it's just fun to do. It gives me an excuse to talk to people that I, I love talking to who maybe I don't see as often. You know, my basketball yeah. coach is going to be on an episode with me that m probably isn't going to be G rated, but someone <laughs> will learn something from it, you know, and it's it's amazing. And so, you know, I, I hope one day maybe Dr. Cole, we can come on and we, ah. you can come on and, and you can we can talk about things like me, the patient, asking you questions because I think yeah. you can learn from your journey to becoming a functional medicine doctor too. Of course, anytime. Let me know. I, I'll be there. My friend, thanks so much. What, what's the name of the podcast again? Ripple Effect Connection. So yeah, Rip I try to try to get them out every other week. I first said a month and you know how this goes. Then all of a sudden you start doing more. Yeah. So hopefully I can keep that up. But uh, yeah, it's, thank you for allowing me the time to to talk about that and also for, for having me on. It's, it's a great honor. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.